that talk is about to begin Hey, 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 come on in Alright my friends, we are back with Buckeye Talk and I'm going to apologize right off the bat because this is probably not getting to you on Thursday and I had promised last week that we would do daily podcasts from the Rose Bowl and I am at the Rose Bowl right now. I'm not literally in the Rose Bowl, but I'm in the Rose Bowl media room in downtown Los Angeles. Doug Maurice from Cleveland.com. Thanks, as always, for joining us here on Buckeye Talk. And I did not get you a podcast on Wednesday because it was the Disneyland day and you have to follow them on roller coasters and then you have to get from Anaheim back to, uh, back to downtown L.A. And I was exhausted and I didn't get it up. And then today I was going to do it earlier and we had interviews in the morning and then I wrote a Draymond Jones story and then we went to Ohio State's practice and everything in L.A. is far away and you got to drive. Then I wrote a Greg Schiano story. Then we went to Lowry's Prime Rib to watch these guys eat meat. That was kind of a waste. I should have skipped the meat. And done the podcast, but I didn't. Then I came back and I wrote another story. And now we're doing the podcast. So we have all your questions. We appreciate all of you who are listening. And this is our plan from here at the Rose Bowl. It's just me here from Cleveland.com. I might rope in. There's a bunch of drunk media members in this room because one of the secrets, and it's crazy, and I don't know why they do it. When I go to a, a, a bowl, just give me a room with football players and coaches and a table and a chair and let me talk to them. But they give us like uh, beer, free beer. And I, and I don't drink beer. I've had in my lifetime probably four ounces of beer. I was in a fraternity in college. And when I was rushing that fraternity, we were playing beer pong and somebody hit a ping pong ball in my cup of beer. And I felt the peer, the, the peer pressure in that moment. And I drank a little bit of beer. But when I was a child, I went on an Anheuser-Busch brewery tour in Virginia. And however old I was, 10 maybe, the overwhelming smell of the hops or the barley or whatever the heck is in beer just infested itself in my nostrils. And I can smell that. Smell that smell as I'm telling the story, which I've told many times. And as a 10-year-old, it was awful. And that's that's the feeling I still get anytime beer is brought up. So I have not really had beer ever because it makes me nauseous. I am not a beer drinker. Um, I don't actually drink all that much. I just drink lots and lots of Diet Coke, which is probably worse for me than anything else I could drink. So anyway, the free beer is lost on me. But they have that at bowls. There's a lot of free beer here. They also, I had to, I yelled a little bit today. <clears throat> I'm just here to share. I'm sharing with you guys because you're my people. I still have a cough, you'll notice. If you Google influenza, it says that the cough can linger after the flu. And so I'm not really sick anymore. I was sick from like the 4th to the 10th. But I can't stop coughing. I've been munching on cough drops, and I can't stop coughing, so I'm going to have to cough more during this podcast, and I apologize. 
<coughs> but they took us when they took us to Ohio. Ohio State and Washington are both practicing at the StubHub Center, which is the training complex where the uh, LA Chargers are playing while their stadium's being built. Uh, there's a soccer stadium there. It's where the whatever the soccer team is out here plays, and there's there's fields all over the place, and so it's a great big complex. So Washington was at one field, and Ohio State was at another field, and they took us to the Washington field instead of the Ohio State field, and then some guy, some security guard, was acting like we weren't allowed in if we didn't have a certain pass. So I shouted to the heavens um, because that's the kind of thing I do. I I react in the moment, and I apologize for that. So anyway, just getting some stories out there, trying to get back in touch with you guys. I know it's been more than a week. We don't like to go this long. But what was going on? Oh, Christmas was happening. We had Christmas I went to Disneyland with my family for a few days, but now we are here covering the Rose Bowl. This is the second day. So this is the Thursday daily podcast that I promised. It's probably not getting up until after midnight into Friday, and I apologize for that. Hopefully tomorrow I will certainly get a podcast done earlier because we don't have interviews. Then on Saturday we will interview the Ohio State offensive players along with the Washington defensive players. But we're going to get to your questions. What we have so far, we talked to Ohio State defensive people today and Washington offensive people. We watched Ohio State's practice. We watched them eat meat. We talked to Urban Meyer and a couple players at Disneyland yesterday. So, again, you can find all that coverage at cleveland.com slash OSU. And, again, I may rope in um, some, uh, some other media members here who are in various states of inebriation. But we'll get to some we'll get to some questions first. Uh, JSAT5. Dwayne Haskins questions. We know, and I tweeted this the other day, everyone saw it. Justin Herbert from Oregon, who many thought was the maybe the number one quarterback in this draft that he came out. He went decided he's staying in Oregon for another year. His younger brother's gonna be on Oregon's team next year. That's a big deal for him. So he's staying, which a lot of people had thought was gonna happen. Um, his question, JSAT5, does Herbert's decision impact Haskins in any way? Um, no, because I think Dwayne Haskins, as we've said before, is leaving already. But, and I'm again going to credit Ian Wharton, who we had on Buckeye Talk six weeks ago and back then said, even if Herbert were in the draft, he would have Dwayne Haskins as his number one guy. So I don't know that it would have been a slam dunk that Justin Herbert would have been the first quarterback off the board. But now that he's not coming out, I am just going to be very surprised if Dwayne Haskins is not the first quarterback taken. And so Dwayne Haskins is ready in almost every way. Greg Schiano was asked about Dwayne Haskins today, and, and, and Greg Schiano again, is always kind of interesting in that he can bring kind of an NFL evaluation to this. But he was talking about the same things we all see, how smart Dwayne Haskins is, how accurate he is. Um, he can make every throw. Everybody else is going to see that too. So I think, I mean, when you can look at the draft order and figure out which teams need quarterbacks and which teams don't, the San Francisco 49ers are not going to take a quarterback. I don't think the Raiders are going to take a quarterback unless they make a decision on Derek Carr. But you can see the teams that need quarterbacks, the New York Giants, um, the Jacksonville Jaguars. And again, it's always that that round robin of teams deciding to trade up, the quarterback needy teams deciding to trade up. And so what I think you're going to see Heading into this NFL draft, there's a lot of talk about how this draft class of quarterbacks, and for the Browns, this is important, is not as good as last year's draft class. But I think Dwayne Haskins is going to be at the top of that draft class. And I think maybe when you think about ratings, I think maybe Dwayne Haskins will, will in the end, 
and, and all these best draft analysts, they have all these ratings now where they, they rate everybody and they, they decide this guy's a 94.5 or this guy's a 96.3. So the best draft analysts have a, have a rating system where they can compare quarterbacks over years. And I think you're going to find I, – I just have to wet my throat every now and then. I apologize. I think you're going to find that my guess is that Dwayne Haskins will not rate as high as Baker Mayfield, will not rate as high as Sam Darnold, would not have gone as high as those guys, won't rate as high as Josh Allen, who just has a rare, rare arm. I was not a big Josh Allen fan. He's been better than I expected. Has been up and down with Buffalo, but has shown flashes. I think Dwayne Haskins will rate <coughs> as well – as a guy like Josh Rosen. And Josh Rosen was in, what, number 10 last year? Was that right? Let me look it up. You guys like it when I look up stuff on the fly. Was Josh Rosen 10 to the Cardinals? <coughs> Apologize again, everybody. Josh Rosen, 10 to the Cardinals. So you're talking about Dwayne Haskins, I think, is going to rate similarly to Josh Rosen. And Josh Rosen was worthy of a top 10 pick. So Dwayne Haskins is going to be worthy of a top 10 pick. I don't think Herbert affects him, but I think, if anything, the, the chance to be the first quarterback is a big deal. And then when you are the first quarterback, Josh Rosen went 10 as the fourth quarterback. When you're the first quarterback, sometimes people go nuts. Because if you are a team, if you are the Giants, and you pick Saquon Barkley instead of a quarterback, and now you want a quarterback to pair with him, and Dwayne Haskins grew up in New Jersey... I think would love to be a New York Giant. I think Dwayne Haskins would be great in New York. You might have to go get him. You might have to move up. You can, maybe can't let Dwayne Haskins fall to five or seven, whatever it might be. Jacksonville is a place, if you do mock drafts, you can find Dwayne Haskins to Jacksonville everywhere. So I think the, I, I think the effect is no, because I think he's gone no matter what. Uh, Dwayne Haskins was eating meat at Lowry's prime rib tonight, and I was standing about six feet away from him. He wasn't yet eating the meat. I take that back. He was sitting at the table next to J.K. Dobbins, and I think maybe he was preparing to get a roll. And I was, I took a video of him like preparing to get a roll, and he kind of looked at me, and he looked at me taking a video of him preparing to get a roll. I felt myself looking at him, looking at me, of me taking the video... And I think Dwayne Haskins in that moment just looked and said, God, I got to get out of college. I'm ready for this. I don't need 45-year-old men harassing me at a prime rib restaurant, taking a video of me eating a roll at like a weird Rose Bowl college event. He can go be a pro. He had a tweet when they left Columbus. Maybe you guys saw it. He tweeted, I'm going to have a private plane one day because he wasn't happy about flying on the uh, the regular plane. So... That, that's a guy who's thinking about what's next, and he should be thinking about what's next. Uh, Dusty Prohl at Prohl 3 Would Ohio State want to have one more year of Haskins or two years of Justin Fields? You know what? I, I'm, I'm a bird-in-hand guy. I think Dwayne Haskins has proven that he's rare. He's rare, man. I'll tell you what. I hope you guys read my story on Cleveland.com that I, that I put up the day after Christmas that revisited his recruitment and how he really <coughs> could have landed somewhere else. If you didn't read it, I talked with Dwayne off to the side after practice one-on-one -on -one in the middle of this year. I was going to write this for the bye week, and then our beat changed, and I didn't have time, and I was going to write it Maryland week, and I didn't have time. 
I was going to write a Big Ten Championship week, and we decided to save it. I was going to write it before Christmas. I ran out of time. So I've been saving this Dwayne Haskins story, and I talked to Dwayne Haskins about how close he came to not being here. He was committed to Maryland. In April of 2015, Tristan Wallace, a dual-threat quarterback from Texas, committed to Ohio State. Dwayne told me now that Ohio State wanted a quarterback to lead the class. Dwayne wasn't ready to commit, so they took Tristan Wallace, and away they went. In May, a month later, Dwayne Haskins committed to Maryland over Rutgers in Florida. And his coach told me when I talked to him, his high school coach said he thought Dwayne seemed off in the two days before that. Like something wasn't right. So we know now that Tristan Wallace wound up decommitting from Ohio State. He flipped to Oregon. He wanted to play receiver in college. Dwayne Haskins was in contact with Tristan Wallace as that was happening. Tristan Wallace told Dwayne, hey, if you want to talk to Ohio State, I'm going to decommit. Go ahead. Dwayne Haskins and, uh, and Urban Meyer got in touch. Dwayne Haskins later decommitted from Maryland and wound up here. But I think two things. If for whatever reason Tristan Wallace had stayed as Ohio State's quarterback, they had their quarterback. And I don't think they were taken two. Maybe they would have backed off and decided, hey, Tristan, you're not our guy. Kind of like they did with Danny Clark a couple years ago. You can let a guy know who's been a commitment to you. You can let a guy know that, you know what, this is not the best fit. And it looks like a decommitment, but it's really initiated by the school. They could have done that. But I think they liked Tristan Wallace, and Tim Beck liked Tristan Wallace. And Tim Beck was all over Tristan Wallace and led that recruitment and got Dwayne Haskins on the back end. I think Tr- Tim Beck, Tristan Wallace was Tim Beck's guy. So if you want to have any more criticism of Tim Beck, understand that I think maybe Tim Beck wanted Tristan Wallace instead of Dwayne Haskins. What does that tell you? It feels like Urban Meyer had the relationship with, with Dwayne Haskins. And then once Dwayne was open, Tim Beck did show up at his high school the first day he could in, in January that year. <coughs> Dwayne's high school to- told me that Tim Beck was there and watched Dwayne do yoga that day. He watched him throw that day. He hung out the whole day. Because by that time, Tristan Wallace was gone and Ohio State needed somebody. And Dwayne Haskins was the guy they wanted. But if Tristan Wallace had stayed in Ohio State's class, I think Dwayne Haskins is not here. And that year, Randy Edsel was fired in in October or November of that year as Maryland's head coach. And they announced in December that they were keeping, that they were going to hire DJ Durkin from the outside, Michigan's defensive coordinator, as the head coach. If they, Mike Loxley, the offensive coordinator, was the interim coach for the last half of that season. If they had kept Mike Loxley, He is a great recruiter. He's a really good offensive mind. He had a great relationship with Dwayne Haskins. I think Dwayne Haskins would have stayed with Maryland, even with Ohio State's interest, and even with this being his dream school, if Maryland had hired Mike Loxley. Instead, Maryland picked D.J. Durkin, and guess who's the head coach of Maryland now? Mike Loxley. He just got hired there after the firing of Durkin, after the tragedy there this summer. So there were a couple things at play that led to Dwayne Haskins being here that weren't a guarantee. And this is a long answer to D. Prol 3's question, which is, I would take a year at Dwayne Haskins. Justin Fields was the number two overall recruit in the country last year. Dwayne Haskins was not that. Dwayne Haskins was like a top 100 guy, but he was not a top 5 guy, not a top 10 guy, not a top 25 guy. You see Dwayne Haskins, and just think about it. It's not going to happen, but think about what a Dwayne Haskins repeat season would be like with Ryan Day calling the shots, 
with Haskins knowing this offense the way he does, I'll tell you what, man. I, I think it would be an unbelievable offense next year, and I don't think you're going to get a chance to see it. But I think, uh, you know, I think I, I think if you had that opportunity, you would take more Dwayne Haskins. However, you could do it, and another year you would you would give up only almost anything to get another year of Dwayne Haskins. Chris Timmerman. Chris Timmerma, 17, who starts at safety opposite Brendan White against Florida Atlantic. Listen, I'm not sure that Jordan Fuller's gone. And that is part of Chris's question. There's a couple guys we're waiting on. We know Draymond Jones and Mike Weber are going pro. There's a couple guys we're waiting on. And we're going to have media day here uh, on uh, Sunday. When we'll get to talk to everybody in the two deep. So I want to ask KJ Hill about this. I want to ask Jordan Fuller about this. Actually, I didn't ask Jordan about it the other day. Jordan Fuller was named Ohio State's Rose Bowl scholar athlete. Uh, the Rose Bowl picks one player from each team. Jordan Fuller has a 3.81 GPA. He's an academic All-American. He's a true junior, not a redshirt junior. He's only been here three years. All I'm telling you is that this is a really academically oriented guy, and maybe he wants to stick around and get his degree. And I thought Jordan Fuller was good this year. I don't know if Jordan Fuller was great this year. I don't think he was. I think he can be better. And so I, my guess that who starts at safety opposite Brendan White is, is Jordan Fuller. And then the other guy to watch is Josh Proctor. I, we watched some tackling drills today. Um, Josh Proctor is a guy that I, I had my eye on coming in this year. When you were thinking about these safety openings, I wondered if Josh Proctor could get in there. He couldn't. I talked to him a little bit after the Big Ten Championship game. He was kind of wide-eyed. I think it took a lot, you know, all these guys, it often takes them a while to get it, get into it. Um, but I think he's found it a little bit now. And I think Josh Proctor, who was a big-time recruit from Oklahoma, is going to be a major factor um, in this defense sooner than later. But if if I'm betting starting safeties for Florida Atlantic first game next year, I'm betting Brendan White and Jordan Fuller. Anthony Clawson and Anthony Clawson, too. And these are all fresh questions from like the last 20 minutes because I just asked for them. I'll get to some other ones that I got earlier in a minute. Any thoughts on Shiano's comments about his future? I feel like we should give him the benefit of the doubt. He's had really good defenses every year besides this year, and there was an obvious drop in the talent level in the back seven. Is that crazy? I think Anthony makes a good point, and I've tried to make that point all year. I think this defense, and I, I'll repeat myself because I think it's worth repeating, I think they're just a half step short. I think the corners are not as good as they've been. I think the linebackers are not as good as they've been. They lost the best player in college football, certainly their best player, maybe certainly probably the best defensive player in college football, maybe the number one pick in the draft in Nick Bosa. Imagine what Nick Bosa could have done. Chase Young, as Stephen Means wrote in a story uh, last week or whenever it was, um, and, and Chase talked about it again out here, but but he told us in Columbus, and Stephen wrote about it, he rolled both ankles. He had a low ankle sprain and a high ankle sprain this year. Uh, Chase Young wasn't, wasn't super impactful for a stretch. He showed us what he could be against Penn State, and then I thought maybe he just got tired. But I think it turns out he was playing on injuries. In the last couple games, he's gotten more healthy, and we've seen that. But just a lot of things happened. I think Draymond Jones was really good for this defense this year. I'm not sure who else was really good. Maybe Malik Harrison at linebacker. I think Tough Borland played better late in the season. Um, you know, I think Jonathan Cooper was solid. I think the corners were okay. 
But if you're telling, if, if if my if you said who played great, what's your answer? Who played great for this Ohio State defense this year? I think Draymond Jones might be the only answer for that. So yeah, that affects how we view Greg Schiano. Obviously, it's easy. I said before, and I'll say it again. There's nothing that nothing about this defense that three All Americans wouldn't fix. Give me Malik Hooker, Denzel Ward, and Ryan Shazier. And I'll show you a different defense. Give me Joey Bosa, Bradley Roby, and Raquan McMillan, and I'll show you a different defense, okay? But I do think, and I think some other people have observed this, I think they were maybe – and I asked I asked Shiano this very thing today about simplistic defenses and trying to keep it easy for the guys. Did they try to get too fancy at times? I think they made a mistake with the way they played the linebackers early in the year, up in the gaps. They backed off of that. I think that was a mistake. I think they were a little slow to react to the fact that their corners weren't as good, couldn't play press man as much. They reacted to that late in the year. I think they were a little slow on that. I think they could have been – they were up and down on tackling. I think they could have been quicker to get Brendan White in. I think they – they were searching for it a little bit with the lineups at times. I think I think that that Brendan White only got in because of an ejection and then turned out to be like, oh yeah, he's the best guy. That's on them. Now it's on Greg it's on Alex Grinch more than anybody, because that's Alex Grinch's room with the safeties, but that's also on Greg Shiano. So I think there are still things you could point to with Shiano. I think at times they they were trying to do too much. I think the the way they played the linebackers was a little weird, um, and and I think it just might be I don't I, I, you can't just say this defense this year and this defense is going to wind up probably giving up more points and more yards than any defense in Ohio State history. Obviously, that's a product of the times to a great degree, but you can't just only hang that on Greg Schiano. But I think also within that, it also might just be time for a change. I think when Greg Schiano comes in and is one of Urban Meyer's best friends and he leads this defense for three years, I think it might just be time for a change to let Ryan Day. Ryan Day's an offensive guy, but Ryan Day knows how he wants to run a defense. He knows exactly in his head, when I'm a head coach, whenever that day comes, Ryan Day knew exactly in his head how he wanted his defense to play. And I think if he needs to bring in a coordinator, who's going to run a defense exactly the way he wants to run it. I think that's what needs to be done. And I'm, I just think it might be time. This would be an easy time for a clean break from Greg Schiano. But I think Anthony makes a good point. It's not all Greg Schiano's fault. But it's enough of his fault. And there's just enough, enough other things at play I think it's time to change. Matt Flora. At Buckeye Moflo. That's a great Twitter name. Washington's defense has been highly touted as a top defense. Do you think they're inflated due to playing in the Pac-12, or do you think this defense is for real? Also, you have to look up Slater's 50-50 burgers made of half-ground beef and half-ground bacon. That I'm in on. I'll look that up like right now. Matt Flora makes a good point. I think it could be inflated, right? I think it could be inflated <coughs> just like I think Big 12 offensive numbers are sometimes inflated because the defenses are so bad. Maybe defensive numbers in the Pac-12 are inflated because the offenses aren't so great. However, I do think the Washington secondary is legit. They have a guy, it's a Byron Murphy, who I think is like a top. He's a, he's a first-team All-American. He's a, looking like a first-round draft pick. 
I talked to to uh, the Washington quarterback. I keep it's not Baron Browning and it's not Bryant Browning. It's Jake Browning, right? Landis always called him Noodle Arm, and we were because Alex Hornibrook is the Big Ten Noodle Arm, and uh, at Wisconsin, and I had also said I'm I'm going to only refer to <coughs> Washington as Wisconsin Northwest this game. So Wisconsin Northwest, so it is Jake Browning. <coughs> this is ridiculous. If anyone wants to have a throat transplant, let me know. I think I asked Jake Browning about the secondary today, and he was talking about that this secondary, it's not just that they knock stuff down, it's that they make picks. Byron Murphy has four picks. Taylor Rapp, who's a safety. Who, who maybe is like a top 100 NFL draft prospect. He has two. He said these guys make plays on the ball that make quarterbacks second-guess themselves because if you take a risk, they're not just going to knock it down. They have a chance to intercept it. I think it's legit. I think of all the stuff, you look at some of the guys who have come through the Washington secondary lately. I know Buda Baker was a safety I was at the Combine a couple years ago when he was there. I really liked Buda Baker as a guy, potentially for the Browns. Sidney Jones is a Washington secondary guy. They've developed secondary guys. So I think that matters, right? That, that this isn't a fluke. This is something that Washington does. They know how to recruit secondary players. They know how to coach it up. These guys know how to play. So I think from that standpoint, and I said in a video today on Cleveland.com, I think that's the matchup, and that's, I mean, that's no great analysis by me. Dwayne Haskins and these receivers, and asking Terry McLaurin about it, he said this, they play a defense that they're going to keep everything in front of them, okay? So they're not going to try to let Terry McLaurin and Johnny Dixon get behind the defense. They're going to try to keep it in front, and if these guys make plays on the ball, Dwayne Haskins is going to be on target, except, you know, Dwayne Haskins has been on target for 13 games. So I think it's legit, but I'll also tell you this. You know, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. Gardner Minshew is the second leading passer in the nation. That's the Washington State quarterback, and Washington, um, Washington beat Washington State, which is why I'm not writing Mike Leach pirate stories this week, and I'm setting, I'm writing stories about, I mean, whatever there is interesting about Washington, which is not that much. Um, but Washington won that game 28-15. And Gardner Minshew in that game was 26 of 35 for 152 yards. This is a guy who's the second leading passer in America behind Dwayne Haskins. So that game was in the snow also. So I don't think it's going to snow for the Rose Bowl. But if, if the question is, like, are they legit or are they propped up by the Pac-12? They haven't seen someone like Dwayne Haskins but I also think they're legit. Gene Neely, our guy, does Ryan Day have the ability to attract top-level assistance even though he doesn't have the reputation and connections that Urban had? <coughs> I don't know that you're going to get Greg Schiano and Kevin Wilson here because I don't know that they're going to come, those type of guys are going to come work for a 39-year-old first-time head coach, right? It's different to work for Urban Meyer. Ohio State's Ohio State, but it's different to work for Urban Meyer when you've been a head coach than it is to work for Ryan Day. So what we're going to have to find out with Ryan Day is does he, who do, who's he going to pluck, right? I, don't, I wouldn't count on Greg Shano and Ryan Day, but can Ryan Day find a Tom Herman? Can Ryan Day find a Chris Ash? 
Can Ryan Day find a Kerry Combs? Can Ryan Day find guys like that that are out there to be found? Not former head coaches. So I so if that's the question, I don't know. I mean, Ohio State, they're starting to pay. Shiano and Ryan Day this year were the first Ohio State assistants to make over a million. I didn't like it, but they've entered that world. They're willing to pay. They're not going to pay as much as some schools in the SEC. And the thing that I think was very attractive, and I know it was attractive, and I always called it Urban Meyer head coach finishing school, Chris Ash came here. Chris Ash had been at Wisconsin, went to Arkansas to be the defensive coordinator. Made It's not a lateral move from Arkansas to Ohio State, but it's a half step up. He, he didn't get a title bump, but he came here because he wanted to be a head coach. And he said, I know that Urban Meyer can help me be a head coach. People aren't going to think that about Ryan Day. So if Ryan Day wanted to go get the next Chris Ash, and Chris Ash has not done a good job at Rutgers, but he was a really good defensive coordinator. Chris Ash helped this team win a national championship in 2014. If Ryan Day was trying to go get a Chris Ash, a guy who is a defensive coordinator at a Power 5 school, what is Ryan Day's pitch? Leave your school to come to Ohio State. What is that? I don't think Ohio State, they're competitive with most schools now for money, but they're not going to go win a guy on money. So if you're going to win a guy who's already a top guy, right? They plucked Tom Herman from Iowa State. That's different. You got Chris Ash to make a kind of lateral move for Arkansas. What did you offer him? You offered him Urban Meyer. You offer facilities. You offer a chance to win a national title. You offer a recruiting base in Ohio. You offer the same thing that you offer all these recruits. But but I don't know that they're going to have the thing to get him over the top with some of these guys. So I think it's a very good question by Gene Illy, and I'm not sure what the answer is. A lot of people raved about this Ohio State staff um, and how much experience and quality coaches they had. I think maybe you have to expect it's possible. They'll take a half step down in experience, but it doesn't mean they have to take a half step down in quality. Another good question by Gene Neely. Do you think Day's added responsibilities the last few weeks could lead to the offense not being as sharp and prepared as they were against Michigan and Northwestern? Ryan Day himself on signing day said it was recruiting, 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 recruiting. But they had a week to get ready for Michigan. They had a week to get ready for Northwestern. They've had a month to get ready for Washington. The, the, the thing that I think, again, stands out the most is that they, Ryan Day had a bead on Don Brown in Michigan. And I said that before, and I wasn't sure if that would be the same against Northwestern, and they were pretty darn good against Northwestern. Not like they were against, against Michigan, though. They're not going to have the same read on this Washington team. Because Ryan Day and Don Brown worked together at Boston College. Ryan Day went against Don Brown, the Michigan defensive coordinator, and practiced every day. He knew what Don Brown wanted to do. And they thought they could exploit that man-to-man matchup with Michigan. I think athletically, they knew they could exploit some things with Northwestern. I think Washington is going to have a more difficult scheme coupled with better athletes than Northwestern. So again, we're talking about probably the best secondary Ohio State's faced I think with a pretty good idea of how to play defense. So I think it's legit. And I think I, I don't think the responsibilities of all this stuff means that Ryan Day's game plan isn't going to be as good. I just think the game plan may not look as good because Washington's going to have more to offer. Tom LaGrasso, who do you think will be the new defensive coordinator? Certainly a lot of people think that if, if Shiano goes, Alex Grinch may become the defensive coordinator. And the other thing is they could – splice up these 10 assistants in a different way. That'll be an interesting thing to see what Ryan Day does. When they added the 10th assistant last year, 
what Urban Meyer did was hire Alex, Alex Grinch, make him the safeties coach, and Greg Schiano did not coach a group this year. We asked him about that again today, and he said it was like basically sort of being half a half a head coach. He was the head coach of the defense. He was not in a room with guys. He did not have responsibility for a certain group of guys on and off the field like position coaches do. Maybe Ryan Day does that, but maybe you don't want to take – if you make Alex Grinch the defensive coordinator, you could you could have the 10th assistant be a special teams coach because Urban Meyer always said he was a special teams coach. God, I want to ask this question now. I think that's what they're going to do. Some teams have that. Urban Meyer always said he was a special teams coach. Who's a special teams coach now? Ryan Day's not going to say that. Ryan Day's not going to be the special teams coach. I think it might make sense for them to not have a defensive coordinator who doesn't have a room. And if you maybe if you hire somebody, right? Maybe you hire if you don't if you don't bring back Greg Schiano and Bill Davis. Maybe you hire a linebackers coach who's a co-defensive coordinator, and Alex Grinch, the safeties coach, is a co-defensive coordinator, and you go back to four defensive coaches, defensive line, linebackers, safeties, and corners, and you have co-coordinators with the safety coach and the linebackers coach, maybe Marcus Freeman from Cincinnati, right, if you went that way. Then you have five offensive coaches, offensive line, tight end, quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, and then your 10th coach is a special teams coach. Maybe I'll go that way. And now I want to ask Ryan Ryan Day about that in two days. So I'm going to say I think if if it's not Greg Schiano, your name is, is Alex Grinch here on the staff. He was the defensive coordinator at Washington. He sort of took a step down to make a jump up. He's from Ohio, but that guy came here because he wants to be a defensive coordinator. He took a backseat to Greg Schiano for a limited time. But also Marcus Freeman is a name that someone else threw out in a Twitter question. I'm going to keep throwing out. Former Ohio State linebacker, defensive coordinator at Cincinnati. Uh, I think it would be a good hire. We're going to run through them quick now. Peyton Stamper at Peyton Stamper 96. How would the season be viewed differently with a Washington loss? I think the story of this season has been written. I think it was written with the Michigan game and the Big Ten Championship. I think if they lose to Washington, it will be viewed as a fluke and some outcropping of Urban Meyer's retirement. And I don't think people would view this entirely differently. I think people would make an excuse and say, Ohio State is still better than Washington. They just didn't play well, which I think probably would also like be true. I think the story has been written. Certainly for Urban Meyer to be carried off the field with a Rose Bowl win would be a nice ending to his Ohio State career. I don't think you would look back on this season as a failure because they lost the Rose Rose Bowl, but somehow view it as a great success if they win the Rose Bowl, right? I think in many ways the story has been written. Wolfman Matt, that's at Wolfman Matt. We know about Brian Hartline. Do you expect Tony Alford and Kevin Wilson to be retained on the staff for next year? I'll tell you this. I know that Kevin Wilson was interested in being the interim head coach when when Urban Meyer was suspended. And that would also tell you that, you know, Kevin Wilson certainly would have been interested in being the head coach of Ohio State. That's another difficult situation. If you're Kevin Wilson, you came to revitalize your career under Urban Meyer. Are you going to stay under Ryan Day, who is your co-offensive coordinator? But, like, I, I, I don't know. Like, Kevin Wilson was here, and then Ryan Day came, and then Ryan Day was his co, and then Ryan Day sort of took over more and, like, jumped over Kevin Wilson. Are you going to stay? The one thing I think maybe would happen that would help Kevin Wilson stay 
is if he became the quarterback's coach. Right now, he's the tight ends coach, but he doesn't really coach the tight ends. He's basically like, just does whatever. Tim Hinton, who used to be the tight ends coach and now is a staffer and isn't a coach, sure spends a lot of time with the tight ends when we watch. Um, so I don't know. Like, would Kevin Wilson stay here to, I mean, is this going to be, this is going to be Ryan Day's show. Ryan Day's calling the plays. So would, would Kevin Wilson stay for input and the coach tight ends? I don't know. If he's coaching quarterbacks, maybe that's different. But also, Kevin Wilson, I think, might be another guy who looks around. Tony Alford, I think, has done a good job recruiting and has done a good job coaching. So if you're asking me, I'm not, I don't have a lot of inside info on this stuff, guys. Guess, I'm going to guess Alford is here. And if I'm guessing, if I had to guess gone or stay, I would guess Kevin Wilson is gone. But I certainly could also imagine him staying. Shaq Harrison, good question. If Damon Arnett and Kendall Sheffield both come back, will they both start? I feel like Okuda and Wade have spots locked up. I also think Tyreek Johnson, the seven banks are also better. Thoughts? I'll be writing this for the morning. You guys can find it, but you get the juice here early. People are talking about seven banks. Greg Schiano said today that seven banks may be the next great corner at Ohio State. I don't think both Arnett and Sheffield will be back. I think they need to make a change there. And if, if I had to guess right now, I'm guessing. I think Wade is either a starting safety next year or is the starting nickel corner again. Maybe they put him on the outside, but I think they can mix and match and really find a way to have Sean Wade on the field a lot. I actually thought the idea of a slot corner as a separate position from the outside corners worked well this year. I thought he was pretty good at it. And if you tell me that the, ro- that the rotation next year is that either Sheffield or Arnett went pro and the three-man corner rotation is the remaining one of those two, Jeffrey Okuda and Seven Banks, I think that's very possible. Any new fields to Ohio State news? No. Um, I don't I don't know anything else. There's nothing really more to add. It's just I think I think it could be quick. Georgia is playing in a bowl game on January 1st in the Sugar Bowl against Texas. Ohio State is playing on a bowl game on January 1st in the Rose Bowl against Washington. Justin Fields could be in Columbus very quickly after that. If he's going to come, he's probably going to enroll for that winter semester, which starts, I think, January 6th or 7th or something like that. So if he's coming, I think you'll know it pretty quick. But I don't have any more news on it. Uh, Paul Levine, Paul Lev7, wanting to know if we're going to see an expanded Tate Martell package, given the extra practice time, the stingy Huxley's defense, and they likely need to re-recruit him, given all the rumors. I think it's very possible you might see some Tate stuff to try to keep Tate involved, and I think that would be a worthy reason to do it. They need to do it better, though. I would like to see a revamped Tate package. I don't I don't think the goal line stuff has worked, but I'm not sure that it wouldn't work in the middle of the field with something crazy here and there. I'd be for it. I'd be for it. I think it's been weird with Tate. I think they should have done a better job with it, but I think that may be something that fell by the wayside though, right? It's like, oh, did, did Ryan Day have time to do all this stuff? Maybe if Ryan Day was out recruiting and doing everything else, he might not have had time to get a Tate package together. So um, I think that would be a fine idea. I don't know if I'd hold my breath, but I think I might look for it somewhere else than just in the red zone. Because <coughs> I think we've proven that the red zone stuff didn't. <coughs> this is ridiculous. <coughs> didn't really work. Break for coughing fit. All right, that coughing fit went on longer than I would care to share. Um, hey, quick note. 
Hope you guys are patronizing our friends at shopohiostate.com and minutemantickets.com. Hope you guys used them for some great Christmas gifts. Uh, Ohio State gear, the finest apparel you can find. Um, great stuff. Great quality, cool stuff. They often have great sales at shopohiostate.com. It's the Ohio State University Barnes & Noble bookstore. So make sure you guys are, are still patronizing them even though Christmas is over. And then, of course, MinutemanTickets.com. Get tickets for your family. Great gift. And now if the, if the gift-giving season has passed us by, just think about you know some of those dark, wintry days ahead. You know, wouldn't it be nice to go to a hockey game or a basketball game or a concert or the theater? Go to MinutemanTickets.com. Local ticket guys with a national ticket selection. Check them out. Find something cool to do when it's snowing in the winter. Make our ticket guys your ticket guys with MinutemanTickets.com. All right. Kenny Stabler at Beats Bledsoe. Does the fact the opening line was only minus four make you rethink your anti-Washington stance and blowout prediction? So I'm looking at I, I'm looking at a line that opened at five and a half and has moved to six and a half or seven. Um, no. I just – I don't – I question if Washington is the right team. This Miles Gaskin guy, who's a four-year starter at running back, I was talking to him today. He has 921 carries in his career, which is remarkable. Uh, he's a 1,000-yard back every year, 200 carries every year. It's been a workhorse for them. But, but I just, you know, this team had John Ross a couple years ago, lightning-fast dude, now with the Bengals. Um, I just, I don't know if they're the right team to exploit this Ohio State defense. Maybe they are. I don't have a lot of faith in Jake Browning, their veteran quarterback, who seems to maybe have regressed the past couple years. Um, but their secondary is legit. But, like, but like no. Maybe I'm not going to pick Ohio State to score 50. But I still think 38-10 is really possible. Or, or, or 41-21. I just don't think giving up a touchdown is, is very much to ask. So um, I, I am... I am maybe slightly rethinking it because I have learned the names of some Washington secondary guys, but I just don't know if this Washington offense is the team to take advantage of it. Jordan Steele, you know what? Um, Mark Roberts. I see Mark Roberts. I like it when I'm reading the questions that are like, hey, you dumbass. Oh, I said the A word. Mark Roberts said your college football player predictions all season long, Doug. Someone is going to beat Notre Dame. You sticking with that? The Notre Dame quarterback transfer affect the Georgia kids' decision. When will that be announced? You know what? I'll get to uh, – we'll do it tomorrow. We'll do our, my playoff picks tomorrow. That's part of this. Um, so, Jordan Steele, we'll finish with this. What are your thoughts on Urban being an assistant AD at Ohio State? Is this good for the football program and Ryan Day, or does it complicate things for a first-time head coach? I hope you read that story as well. I wrote that a couple days before Christmas. I didn't even necessarily realize it at the time, but I guess I was breaking that news because I had a one-on-one -on -one half hour interview with Gene Smith. I still have some things from that conversation to get out to you guys. Um, the day before signing day, on December 18th, I talked with Gene in his office and he told me that Urban Meyer is going to be an assistant athletic director at Ohio State. I know that was story was aggregated a lot. One point that needs to be made is like there are a million assistant athletic directors at Ohio State. So, he is not the assistant athletic director, okay? He is a assistant athletic director, um, which is a great distinction. There are some really um, veteran people in that department who oversee a wide variety 
uh, of things that happen in a the largest um, athletic department in the nation. Thirty six sports. Um, nobody nobody does more than Ohio State. So 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 that is one important distinction. Okay, and the idea of him as um, an assistant athletic director. Let me see if I can. Let me see if I can do this. So there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I mean, there's basically like eight kinds of people who who have some sort of deputy or assistant title with the athletic department under Gene Smith. So I'm just telling you, like, don't get, don't get, don't get, God, there's even more than that. Don't get a, oh gosh, there's many more than that. God, there's, there's a bunch of compliance. I mean, there's just, there's a, there's a ridiculous amount of people. I can't even keep track. Maybe I'll count it up. Is it a good thing? Like, he's not going to have, like, responsibility of... of they're going to utilize his skills, but they're not going to have Urban Meyer doing a bunch of paperwork, right? Is it a good thing for Ryan Day? So, we've seen this, right? And I want to dig into this a little bit more. But we've seen when coaches step away and often become the AD, right? And then the former football coach is the AD, and you're sort of the boss of the guy, but... I, you know, that happened with Bob Devaney and Tom Osborne at Nebraska. It happened with Barry Alvarez and Bet- Brett Bielema at Wisconsin. But I almost think that's better because then it's like, okay, I was a football coach, but now I'm the boss, and here's who's next. I'm not in your way, but I am your boss. Urban Meyer is not Ryan Day's boss. Gene Smith is. Gene Smith is both of their bosses. Bosses? Both their bosses? He's the boss of both of them. That's better. <coughs> He's the boss of both of them. So I wrote a whole story. My whole point of that story where I wrote about being the assistant athletic director is that I think it's potentially complicated. I don't think Urban Meyer can hover. And Gene Smith told me he doesn't want Urban Meyer to hover. He doesn't want him just randomly walking the halls of the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. <coughs> Urban will not have... An office in the football building. His office will be in the athletic administration building for that reason. So, like, will it be nice for Ryan Day to pick his brain? I guess, but, like, Ryan Day has a lot of people he can turn to. Chip Kelly again. Chip Kelly, he played for Chip Kelly in college. They went to the same high school. He is super tight with Chip Kelly. He can call Chip Kelly. He could call Urban Meyer if Urban Meyer was somewhere else. If it's if it's if the choice is is it good for the football program in Ryan Day or does it complicate things, I would vote it complicates things. Now, that doesn't mean I think Urban Meyer should go away. It means that I'm just sort of questioning like if Matt Campbell was the head coach or Dino Babers or Mike Vrabel or whatever, Urban Meyer could be around and do this stuff and it would be very different. But those guys never would have been Urban Meyer assistants. Ryan Day was hired by Urban Meyer. He was used to working for Urban Meyer. Now Urban Meyer is going to be around, but he's not going to have any authority on Ryan Day. I just do think it could complicate things. 
It doesn't mean I think Urban Meyer should go away. I do think Urban Meyer can be an asset to this university and this athletic department and this football program, maybe. But I think it's more about the athletic department, and Gene Smith said it's more about the athletic department. I do not think he can cast a shadow. I do not think he can be coach emeritus. And I am very curious to see how it's going to work. I'm just on alert. And I said it to Gene Smith. I said, I started to say, like, I'm concerned about this. And I said, well, it's not that I'm concerned. It's not my... It's not my decision. I don't have any control over it. I'm just telling you, I'm curious to see how it's going to work. And I think it's certainly possible that it could be less than smooth at certain times. All right. Today at the Rose Bowl, we talked to Ohio State defensive players, Washington offensive players. We went to Ohio State's practice. We watched them eat meat. Tomorrow, there are no interviews on Friday. I don't know why. There's like an extra day. There's a gap in here. I don't know why. Why is there this random dead day? So no interviews tomorrow. We get to watch a short bit of Ohio State practice, and that's it. Um, I'll tell you, I'm trying to finagle some stuff to get some extra stuff going on. Um, It's been hard. One thing I wanted to do, I don't think I'm going to be able to do. I did talk to somebody today at Ohio State's practice. That was pretty interesting. Then I'm going to flip for a story soon. So hopefully we'll have some good stuff coming. We're going to have this Seven Banks story coming tomorrow. We'll have a Wyatt Davis story coming. Probably have a Johnny Dixon story coming. Have a story coming about uh, some other things related to the Rose Bowl and some history stuff. But um, for now, appreciate you guys putting up with my coughing. Appreciate you with you guys putting up with me being a little late getting these up. It's just the days get it gets late early here. You know what I'm saying? Right now it's 11:54 where you guys are. It's only 8:54 here, and these guys are already 10 beers in. So anyway. Man, I'm telling you, if you don't want your kid to drink beer, take them on a brewery tour when they're in elementary school. It works like a charm. All right. That was our first daily Buckeye Talk podcast from the Rose Bowl. Make sure you're subscribed. You can always drop an iTunes review. We'll update at some point where we stand with the five-star ratings. Uh, I'm sure it's still 4.5 unless people decided to give me a Christmas gift with some five-star ratings. Probably will need about 30 of them. Um, So thanks to you guys for listening. We will be back on Friday, hopefully a little earlier in the day. But for now, from the Rose Bowl, I'm Doug Maurice, And that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.